Well, Happy New Year, friends. Hey, isn't it crazy that 2023 is already over? That is... Sorry, I gotta get my stuff here. That's crazy. Hey, you want to know something cool? This is something the first service didn't get, so this is this is free for you. I didn't realize this, but I looked real quick on my calendar. We began 2023 on a Sunday, and now we're into 2023 on a Sunday. So, man, what a bookend to such a year, right? What a bookend to be able to 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 begin and end the year in the house of the Lord. And so, I'm just so thankful to be here with each and every one of you. My name is Pastor Reed. If you didn't know me, I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, I'm excited to be with you for several reasons. First of all, today is a holiday. It's multiple holidays, actually. I don't know if you knew this. This is not just New Year's Eve. This is National Youth Pastor Preaching Sunday. Did you know that? Did you know that? All across this great land of ours, there are youth pastors who are getting their day in the sunlight while our lead pastors are on holiday. So I am celebrating. You all are celebrating with me. And so I'm glad to have each and every one of you here with me today. Thank you, Cass. <laughs> Let me get this doohickey turned on here. All right, so it is uh, a new year coming up, and um, I every time I get up here to speak, I keep a tradition of, uh, I, I like to share things that God has been teaching me and God has been doing in my life um, for however long it's been um, since I last got to, spoke. got to speak. There we go. Uh, and so today's lesson, this teaching is something that is uh, deeply personal, not inappropriate in any way at all. But if you know anything about just what's been going on with, with my family um, and extended family the past several months, uh, we've just had to depend on a lot of people. We've had to rely on a lot of different people. And I'll tell you what, nothing will humble you more. Nothing will make you depend on other people more than having a baby and having a toddler. I mean, I'm telling you, it's, we cannot do it without the community of people that we have. And so, anyways, uh, God's been speaking to me and teaching me a lot of things through that, and so I'm excited to share some of these things with you today. I don't want to spoil it too much, but I do want to give you some scriptures to set the tone for our discussion today. Before I do, would you indulge me in a favor? Would you please just give me one favor? Would you stand today for the reading of God's Word? Thank you. Thank you. We stand to honor and respect the word of God that is a, a living, breathing word. It penetrates our hearts, our souls, and it transforms us into the pattern of Christ Jesus. So with that said, let us begin in John chapter 13, beginning in verse 12. It says, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. One more passage for you all from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 9, says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you... Then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Let's pray before we begin. 
Holy Father God, we do not take for granted another opportunity to enter into your house, to approach your throne room, God. We are joyful to do so. So today, God, as we enter into your word, as we seek to become more like your son, Holy Spirit, would you enter us? Would you speak to us? Would you speak through us today? God, we are just so grateful. You've never failed us. You never will. And for that reason and so many more, we praise your name in the highest. Thank you, God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you. Thank you so much. Today, I want to take you back to a crazy, wild time. Many of you probably don't even remember it. It was so long ago. The year's 2014. <laughs> I'm in high school in 2014, and uh, I love having my friends over to visit. I love having my friends come and stay at my house. And uh, I think my record for the most amount of friends at one sleepover, I think, was 10. Um, and it was one of those situations where we obviously didn't have enough beds for everybody. So you're sleeping on the floor, grab a pillow, grab a blanket, and, and you know. So that happened a time or two. I do remember one time we did have an airsoft war in my house. And so for years, years after that, uh, I was picking up pellets. Um, but it was fun. It was a good time. I love to have my friends to stay at my house. And I also love to drive my friends around. My first vehicle was a 2002 GMC Yukon XL. It was nothing special, but it was big. It had a lot of room in that thing. Now, legally, I could fit six passengers, and then me, I'm, I'm the seven, you know, so seven people legally. But at least one occasion, we got up to like 10 or 11 dudes in there. Uh, we had captain's chairs in the middle, so like we had somebody sitting on the floor, and then you wouldn't believe how many like teenagers could fit in a trunk of that thing. I mean, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. So, uh, I like to drive my friends around. I called my Yukon. I called it the Bro Bus just because I had my bros in the bus, and and I would drive them around. and And there was one summer I remember. This is this is even prior to 2014. This is like 2012. Uh, one summer after like we would do two a day workouts. Um, We'd work out in the morning, and then, like, you'd have some time off, and then you'd come back and practice in the afternoon. And so uh, this was the summer I got my license, and so me and my brother and his friends, and we would, my town was kind of split into quadrants, and so we would pick a quadrant every day and just like, all right, we're just going to go riding around in this one and that one. And, of course, this was before gas was unaffordable, right? So, so I could drive around as much as I wanted to. Not, not so much today. That's a, that's a luxury. Um, so I like to drive my friends around. And then also, we would go on vacations. When we go on vacations, I would get to bring some friends with me on vacation. And we would take trips down to the Gulf Coast. I know uh, in West Virginia, the, the, the vacation spots are Gatlinburg or Myrtle. Uh, well, when you live in Middle Tennessee, your vacation spots are Gatlinburg or Destin. So that was basically what we would do. So just a different beach. So we would, we would go down to the Gulf Coast, and I would get to bring some friends with me, and, and that was always a fun time. Now, the opposite side of that coin is those same friends that would come and stay at my house, I rarely went to go visit their houses. In fact, I, there were some friends that came that I didn't even know what their house looked like because I just didn't go to their house. And then some of those friends that I would drive around, I, I was never their passenger. I would never ride around in their cars. And this wasn't just like a... Like, oh, you know, poor is Reed, he doesn't get invited. No, 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 it wasn't that thing. It's just that I always preferred to be 
kind of the host or the driver. And then those same friends that I took on vacations with me, I never did go on vacations with them. And I, there are several reasons, some more innocuous than others, but I think that a major reason why I always preferred to kind of play host is that I never wanted to feel like that I was a burden or that I was putting anybody out or I was inconveniencing anyone. And so more often than not, I was just like, y'all come, y'all come to my house or y'all, I'll drive. You know, we're going to go out to Mexican, I'll drive, right? That's just kind of how I went when I was in high school. And, and I think that some of you all can resonate with some level of this. I think that you've probably felt some way in, in some time in your life, like you don't want to be an inconvenience, you don't want to be a burden. We don't have to raise hands or point fingers or do the, the side eye or anything, but there are some people in this room, I'm sure, that you love having people over to your house. I would know I've been to many of your houses. You love to have people over. However, when you go over to somebody else's house, you won't even let them give you a glass of tea. Oh, no, 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 don't get up. You don't have to do that on account of me. You just, no, I'm fine. I'm fine right here. I'm good with what I've got, right? Or maybe you've got a work situation, right, where you, you're able to, if you were just to go get somebody else to help you with this, you could nip it in the bud real quick. You'd be done with it in five minutes. But because you don't want to bother anybody else, you do it by yourself. And it takes you twice the amount of time. I'm guilty of that one. I do that all the time. It, it, we all do, right? Um, and it, we, we just, we say, oh, you know, I, I, I can handle it. I can do it. How about this? How about this? You've just gone to the doctor or you've, you've gotten out of the hospital or you're in some situation where you've had something happen to you, right? And somebody says, now, brother, sister, whatever, if you need anything, you let me know. You, I, I'll come right over and I'll help you. I'll do whatever you need me to do. And you're just, what's your default response there? It's like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. Do you ever follow up on it? No, you don't follow up on it. You just kind of go on with life. Uh, and, and we all do it. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody or even pointing fingers at myself, but this is just an observation that I've had. Because I think, I, I think this is the case, that especially in this extended family of people that we have here at Faith Community Church, I think that most of us would tell you that we love to serve. We love to give. We just love to love on people. That's just how we're wired, and I praise God for that. Now, those same people, myself included, would often tell you it is much harder for you to be served. It is much harder for you to receive. It's much harder for you to be loved. This is the conundrum that is before us today, and this is something that I believe the Scriptures have a lot to say about because this is not just a personality issue. This is not just an attitude issue, but rather this is a theological issue. This is something that we need to search the Scriptures on because Jesus has a lot to say about it, believe it or not. So let me, let me just show you, we're going to revisit John chapter 13, but we're going to back it up a little bit, and we're going to start in verse 4 this time. John chapter 13, verse 4, this is Jesus again, he's, he's washing the disciples' feet. It says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer garment, outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drawing them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. 
No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Here's the kicker. Jesus says to him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. That's no, that's no light matter, friends. You have no part with me. And isn't this, uh, Peter's attitude here, isn't this the same attitude that, that, that we've just been talking about? Granted, I think this is a little bit more intense than saying like, oh, no, I don't need any water. I don't need any tea. Thank you. Right? This is like, no, son of God, you're not allowed to touch my feet. Get away from me. And I don't want to mischaracterize Peter. I don't want to act like he's some arrogant buffoon. I mean, granted, he does put his foot in his mouth quite often, here included. But when I read that, it's just like, bless your heart, Peter. You know, he's, he's trying to be reverent. He's trying to, to be respectful to Jesus. But he just doesn't understand what's going on. And this happens a lot of times in our culture as well, does it not? In fact, it's, it's like we're, we're trying to be polite, or we think we are, but what ends up happening, instead of being polite, you're actually just being prideful. Oh, no, I can handle that on my own. Say it with a different tone of voice. Oh, no, I can handle that on my own. Right? One sounds polite, one sounds prideful, but I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, it's the same spirit. It's the same spirit. And so we want to rid ourselves of this pride. We don't want to succumb to these issues. And my technology is turning off on me here. But you, you get what you, you resonate with what Peter's getting at here. You, you see what he is talking about. Um, let's, let's play the logic out to its, its, its conclusion. Oh, no, I'm all right. I can handle this. Maybe you can. Maybe you can't handle it. Maybe you are all right. But is that the goal? Is just to be able to do everything on your own? To be independent? To be self-sufficient? It seems, yeah, that should be the goal. But Jesus has a different agenda. Let him explain. Let's keep reading. This is a, the passage that we read at the top of the, of the lesson today. John 13, 12 through 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Are you picking up on a theme? Do you hear kind of a, a, a constant refrain? I, I do. I hear the, the, the words that I hear are humble yourself. Humble yourself. Humble yourself for so many different reasons. Like we've already talked about the, the, the pride that masquerades as politeness, but there's a deeper level to it. You see, there's an intimacy that develops between people who have decided to mutually submit to one another. And we normally think about that theme in the marriage relationship, but it goes so much broader than that. You see, because if you serve me, if you show you love me through your service, then, then I don't have to wonder, I don't have to guess how you feel about me or where you're at because I know that you love me. And if I serve you, you there's no wondering because the track record is there. And there's this bond that begins to form over time after just iron sharpening iron and all the different cliches that we could use. There's a bond that forms there. That's not by mistake. 
It's not by accident. You know, the church understood that. The early church understood this. This whole idea of, of submitting to other people and meeting other people's needs, right? And putting them before yourself. They understood this because we have ancient sources. We have non-Christians, people who are not even a part of the body of Christ, who have written about these early Christians. And they, they remark at how crazy it is that these people would love not only their own, not only their own family or their own you know, church, but they love the outsider as well. They love the neighbor. They love the enemy even. And this has been well, well documented throughout history. And so the early church understood what Jesus was getting at. And when, he, when they did, the church spread like wildfire faster and further than it's ever been before, and this was the reason. This is a secret sauce, if you will. And so, man, it's just incredible what Jesus has to say here. You know, have you ever stopped to consider, say you're in need, you have a specific need that can be met, and somebody is able to meet that need. Have you ever stopped to consider that that person being able to meet your need, that is the exact thing that brings them joy? that brings them fulfillment. These things are not by accident. Rather, this is what it means. This is what it looks like to be created in the image of God. This is what it means. To be able to find joy in serving other people, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't make sense if you just look at it from a purely flesh perspective. But we know that we're so much more than that, don't we? We know that he who is in us is greater than, than the world. And so this is the essence of, of, of the lesson that, that God has been teaching me over the past several months. There's a spiritual aspect to blessing others and being blessed. Return with me to Matthew chapter 7, Sermon on the Mount, the, the last chapter of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 through 12 says this, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. This sums up the law and the prophets. And I want to leave this scripture here for just a second. I want to examine it. I want to zoom in a little bit. Pay close attention to how Jesus says, what he says. He says, you know, the, uh, the father, right? He gives good gifts and all this kind of stuff. So because the father gives good gifts in light of that fact, treat others the way that you want to be treated. In other words, you are the very means. You are the way in which God gives good gifts to other people. Take this one home with you. God, in his infinite mercies, chooses us to be vessels of his great love. He sends people to be blessings to us, and then he sends us to be blessings to others. We are the conduit for God's great love. This is the thing. This is the revelation that I've, that, that, that I've discovered recently is that God, he does, he, he works all the time. He works in miracles. He works in ways that cannot be explained through, through purely natural means. That is all well and good. And we praise God because he's the only one who can do that. 
However, I want us to stop. I want us to throw out the idea that that God loving you through me or that, that God loving me through you, that that in any way, shape, or form is ordinary or somehow less miraculous or somehow less important because it's not. It is a privilege, a great privilege to be able to be called a child of God. And furthermore, what a blessing it is to be a blessing to others. That God can love me in such a way to where that love pours out and overflows onto you. This is how our God works. And it's incredible. This is incredible, y'all. Uh, it's important because when we choose that path that says, no, I'm good. No, I don't need, uh, I don't need your help. I can, I can handle it on my own. When we choose that path or when we kind of do how I did it in high school and I had these one-sided relationships where I would give anything for anybody else but I would never receive, when we choose to live that way, we are settling for a less than, a half-lived life with God. We're settling. And make no mistake, there, I'm not going to sit up here and say that like you're stopping God from loving you. Or I'm not implying in any way, shape, or form that you are limiting God in any way as if we could limit the work of the sovereign almighty God. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that I've lived on both sides of these tracks. And let me tell you, one side is much more rich. One side is much more full of love and mercy. And I feel so much more connected with God whenever I have people who are pouring into me, when I freely accept the love that they have to offer. There is a demonstrable difference. And I don't want to live that half-life anymore, and I hope that you don't either. This is powerful stuff, guys. This is powerful stuff. When you hear the phrase, we're better together, that may sound like a cute thing that we say on Sunday mornings. Or that may sound like a nice hashtag when we're trying to get you to sign up for small groups. But let me tell you, it's not just a cute phrase. This is a theological truth. And it's one that we must, we so desperately must reclaim in a world that is so content with individualism and isolationism. We need to reclaim this truth. And we do it in one way. Right? I mean, it's so easy. Just one simple step. That's all you got to do, right? It's a little deeper than that. But let me explain. Let me explain. In order to reclaim this truth that we are better together, we have to learn through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Scriptures, we have to learn how to live with an open heart. Isn't that a nice Sunday morning thing? Oh, I'm so glad I came today. I got this nice little pithy saying, Pastor Reed, thank you. No, it's very real. It's very powerful. And let me show you what it looks like. Living with an open heart means that we need to have humility in times of need, and then we have to have free-flowing hospitality in the seasons of overflow. When we're in those seasons of overflow, we, we have a special responsibility. Pastor Jason, not too long ago, gave us a teaching on the seasonal rhythms of life. Do you remember that? We talked about how there's a spring and there's a summer part of life. And then sometimes there's a fall and a winter. And most of us in this room have lived long enough to have experienced all four of those seasons of life at least once. Some of us, several. 
I'm not going to go any further. But some of it, we've lived life, and so we understand that there are seasons, there's rhythms. And so when we're in a season of overflow, we have a responsibility. Are our hearts tuned in? Are our heads on a swivel looking for ways in which we can pour the love of God into somebody else's cup? Are our hearts in tune enough to where we find joy, we find our fulfillment in being able to bless other people? This is our responsibility when we find ourselves in those spring and summer seasons. Now, when we're in seasons of lacking, the valley of the shadow of the death or whatever analogy that you want to use, when you're in that season, are you being honest? Will you just own up that you are in a season of need? Half the, most of the time, that's half the battle. is just being able to acknowledge that you have a need and that you need to be blessed. And then once you've acknowledged that need, do you have people in your life who, who will bless you, who you will allow to bless you? You know, I'm not, I, I've, I've seen people before who they, they go around, and, and maybe to a certain extent I was this person at one point in my life, but they go around and they're, they're almost too open of a book and they just tell everything to everybody and like there's no kind of like, like thresholds to like what they tell, like which parts of their story that they tell. And, and Lord bless them, I, I, I see them because I, I was that person, like I said. And they just so desperately want somebody to care about their story. And I hope that you will. I hope that you will be somebody who cares about this hypothetical person's story. We don't have to go spilling our guts to everybody. But if you don't have anybody in your life who, who is able to hear what you've got going on and able to meet your needs, and not out of obligation, not with an eye roll, but with a smile on their face, with a warmth in their heart, if you don't have those kind of people, start there. Start there, find them. They're here, I promise you, they're here. They're in this room. They're, some of those people, if I'm ca categorizing people in my life, I have some people in this very room who are that to me, who I can, I can pour myself out and they can pour into me. And, and so find those people because this is our responsibility when we're in seasons of lacking. If we want to live with an open heart, we have to be vulnerable enough to let people in. This is what we've got to do. Can you envision the free-flowing channels of God's love when we choose to live this way? Do you, in my head, I'm, I'm almost envisioning like um, a, a hose, right? And not just a garden hose. My father-in-law is a firefighter, so I'm envisioning a fire hose. And I'm, I'm envisioning the hose is, is, is kinked, and so the water can't go through. But when we choose to open up these channels in our lives and we choose to live with an open heart and not so defensive and not so guarded, when we choose to live with an open heart, I can just like feel that pressure releasing and, and the water is flowing freely. And that water is God's love. And that's what happens when we choose to live with an open heart. And, and, and we do this. Listen, I, I am the first one that will admit that the, the things that I'm saying right now, they could be misconstrued as like health and wealth gospel and prosperity. That is not my heart at all brothers and sisters. That is not where I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from is a place of like, we, we give and we bless and we serve not for the things that we give, not for the, the things that we serve or, the, or the, the tasks that we accomplish, but we do so for love out of love's sake. And ultimately, if we want to get down to brass tacks, that's exactly what the cross was. It was love for love's sake. 
And when I came to that realization, that changed everything for me. All of the shame, all of the, the workspace, and all of the health, and all of that kind of stuff just went out the window because all that matters is this indescribable, perfect, infinite love that comes from the Father. This is the purpose. This is the reason. Here, get, take this. It is a privilege. It is a privilege to be a blessing. It is a blessing from God to live in a community that is defined by how well we love one another. What if those were our metrics? Defined by how well we love one another. We don't love because we get something out of the love. We love because we already have something within us. The Holy Spirit of the living God. That's why we do it. This one's not on the screen, but it's so memorable, memorizable, whatever. 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. And so he loved us. And it's, it's a continual, free-flowing fountain. Indescribable, perfect, infinite love. That's powerful. In the book of Romans, Paul paints this picture for us. I love the book of Romans. This is what my small group this semester, last semester we went through the book of Romans, and I just love the way Paul paints this picture. Romans 12, 9 through 13 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. What a beautiful picture Paul paints. Be devoted to one another in love, he says. I hope that you're, becoming, you're coming to realize that this is not about how far you can drag yourself by your bootstraps. This is not about how much weight you can carry as if it was a lifting competition. It's not about that. It's never been about that. But how about this? How faithfully can you commit yourself to this vision of life. This vision that is so different, it is so just radically opposite from everything else that we hear, but it is the vision of life that transforms us and molds us into the pattern that Christ Jesus set before us. This is the vision that we must catch and we must live out. Think about the love, all the love and all the blessings that we've missed out on in our lives when we've decided to live with a closed heart. When we've decided to just say, no, I can do it on my own. I, I shudder to think about the things that they could have been if I just would have been courageous enough to just say, yes, I received that blessing. I will receive that help, that mercy, that grace, that forgiveness that I don't deserve, but that God is showing to me through you. I don't want to miss anymore. I don't want to miss anymore. What, it would, what would it look like if we became a community that was defined by how well we gave one another blessings? 
how well we, we gave and received blessings, what would it look like if that was our defining characteristic? I think it would change everything. I think it would change ourselves. It would even change the people who are not a part of this community. They, they wouldn't have any other choice but to look on and see that there's a God in heaven and that his love is just so radically different from everything else that we could ever imagine. That is the power that we have. That is the hope we must believe in. What if these words from Peter became our metric for success in this world? 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. this purpose we have been called every single one of us has been called we bless others not for the sake of the blessing itself but for the love that we show others through the ways we bless one another we receive those blessings not because we just need something done or a task accomplished but we receive those blessings because this is how he loves this is As we head into this new year, I want so desperately to live with an open heart. I want to allow you in so that I can see the great love that God has for me. Will you join me in this endeavor? Will you too look for ways that we can keep our hearts open, that we can be tuned in to the needs of others and we can be honest with ourselves we can open ourselves up to other people. Like I said, guys, this changes everything. Can we be a chosen people set apart in the ways we love so authentically and audaciously? We can do it. Not alone. Never alone. And that's the beauty of it is that, that we've never been alone in this entire process the Holy Spirit of God within us. What else could we need? We've got each other. It's all we need to do amazing things, miraculous things through the power of Christ Jesus that is within each and every one of us. I want to pray for us now. Holy Father God, we thank you you sent your son Christ to this earth and he lived with a truly open heart. He allowed people in. He he did not hide himself from anyone. We thank you for, for your example, Jesus. God, would you do something new in our hearts as we enter into a new year? Would you tear down the walls that we've built up? you soften our hearts with oil? Would you give us a new perspective so that we can see where the needs are? Would you give us a new introspective so that we could see where our own needs are? God, we just want to be open to the love that you have for us. We know we don't deserve it and we we can't even describe it or explain it, but God, we don't have to. 
You've done all the explanation necessary when you sent your son to that cross. And so we will live in this love. We will rejoice in the overflow. The mercies, the grace, all of it is so new every morning. And so we give you praise for that, God. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for this life that you've given us and the love that you've shown us. It's in Jesus' name that I offer this prayer. Would you stand with me this morning? Our prayer team is going to come up here. I'm giving you, I'm giving you an, easy, an easy exit off this highway. You can start living with an open heart right here, right now. These prayer warriors are up here and they are here for you. If you want those channels to open up and you just want the love of God, if you need to confess that you've lived with a closed heart, if you need to to express your, your concern, if you need to just give your needs to the Father who loves you so, this is the perfect opportunity to do so. Don't carry that with you into a new year. You leave it at the cross. And you live in that overflow of love that is shown to you by these brothers and sisters up here. Everybody else is going that way. They don't have to hear. They don't have to know. They don't have to do anything. All that matters is for you to spend a moment with God. It's here for you if you need it. Thank you so much for being here today. I hope that you were blessed by this word as much as I was. I hope that you have the happiest new year. I hope that God does something this year that, that, that you look back on it and you say, that was a turning point. That was a difference maker right there. What God did for me in 2024, I, I hope with all hope that that is the year that you have. And if not, you still got us. You still got the love. You still got the community. You got the blessings of God Almighty. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Happy New Year. You are dismissed.